welcome to Sherry the Doula. I'm Sherry. I'm Josh. We are parents and professionals on the Sunshine Coast. And on this podcast, we talk openly and honestly about pregnancy, parenting, marriage, sex, raising children together, and all the ups and downs along the way. Sherry is a registered and practicing doula, supporting women and their partners before, during, and after birth. And Josh is a high school teacher at a Steiner school, teaching maths, history, and everything in between. Thanks for joining us today. Well, hi guys. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Sherry the Doula. I uh, had a little bit of a break after our last episode, mainly because we were busy, but also because it was super long and we wanted to give you guys time to listen to it because it took forever to listen to. So sorry about that. <laughs> this one's hopefully going to be shorter. Uh, today, we're not answering a specific question uh, that's been sent in by a listener. Rather, what we're going to do today is just talk about doulaing in general and about Sherry and how those two threads come together. So, Sherry, my dear, wonderful, beautiful person whom I love so very much, why are you a doula? <clears throat> I'm actually still finishing the piece of chocolate that I downed before this. <laughs> should, we just, should we just wait for you? <laughs> yes. I mean, people are taking time out of their day here. <laughs> While Sherry's eating her chocolate, I will mention about another fantastic podcast that I've been listening to, and Sherry you've been listening to a bit as well. It's called In Bed with Nick and Megan. Uh, it's by Nick Offerman and Megan Mullally. And if you're a fan of parks and recreation, uh, Nick Offerman is the actor who plays Ron Swanson. Ron and Swanson. Megan Mullally uh, is the actor who plays Tammy too. And they're actually married uh, in real life. They're married for like 20 years. Uh, it's a very rich and interesting podcast. So, you know, just a little plug for that. And uh, Nick and Megan, I know you're listening. Uh, and just want to say, we love you too. Um, because while we're big fans of yours, we know that you are also big fans of ours. 100%. So yeah, just wanted to throw that in there. So that one day when we're best of friends, you're like, oh, hey, we talked about you in this podcast we did years ago. Anyway, Sherry's finished her chocolate now. So, honey, I have. why are you a doula? Um, well, I like women, and I, you know... I'm aware of that, yes. No. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm passionate about women. Um, no, I, I actually became a doula um, after the birth of our second baby. Mm-hmm. Because I, I just had such a wonderful experience after what I suppose I would call a traumatic experience hmm. with my first. And um, I sort of felt like I'd been given this, like, golden nugget of joy and mm. information and empowerment, and I wanted to figure out how I could tell everybody. <laughs> anyway, and that kind of evolved into me wanting better for birthing women. Um... And I looked at ways that I could do that and doulering seemed like the best option to me because obviously as a doula, you know, I, I, I can walk alongside them and, and show them and um, I, guess, I guess just support them in feeling empowered in their birth. And to me that was the most important thing. It wasn't about achieving a, a particular birthing style or you know, having it go mm. absolutely perfectly. It was just, it was about walking in, feeling empowered and feeling in control and mm. also walking out feeling the same way. Right. Okay. Well, can we step back a minute? Okay. So okay. 
you know, obviously I'm fully aware of the experiences of, of both our children's birth, having been there, uh, fortunately, uh, for both of them. Um, but, you know, having a, having a, a negative experience the, the first time around and a positive experience the second time around, you say you wanted to, to you know, share that, that positive experience. And I totally get that because so many of the stories about birth are sucky stories. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we found, I mean, even just in the times that I was actually with you, I found so many people would share their, their horror stories, so to speak. And I imagine that there are times that I wasn't there that you got those as well. And anyone who either is pregnant or has been pregnant and is listening probably has had that same experience of having someone or someone say, oh, you know, when I had my baby, this terrible thing happened and that yeah. terrible thing happened. Yeah. So having a positive birthing experience obviously is something really, really good to share. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, we've got, you know, we've got social media. There's Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and Reddit and MySpace might still be a thing somewhere. So obviously, like, <laughs> there are other options for for sharing about that. So there's got to be something more than just sharing about that that you know, want made you want to become a, a doula. Is there anything that stood out to you about your experience, either giving birth the second time around or during your pregnancy, that, I guess, pointed you in the direction of being a doula? I actually think I I didn't have a doula. No. Um, which I think a lot of people these days are surprised about. They just assume that I had one because I am one. Um, but I know the value of having a really solid support team that knew what I wanted. Because mm, we did have support. We did have support. Well, you you were my main support partner. Mm, um, and then Kirsten was there with us as well. Kirsten. <laughs> as she shall be known on this podcast um we are we don't use people's real names if, if we can avoid it if, if there's someone that we know and we haven't actually sought permission from them to use their real names so you'll hear Creerston and Letitia and uh Agamemnon, Agamemnon. and Jehoshaphat <laughs> and names like that so yeah so Creerston was was there with us um yeah yeah and I having having you be really on board with um, with the birth that I wanted and, you know, you knew exactly what I did and didn't want. We'd been through it and we had a really solid foundation of trust there. Mm. Um, and so I, I really leaned on, on your support once, particularly once I got to the hospital. Um, and I realized how important it was to have that because you were my safe space. Um, and then having, Kirsten there meant that there was this whole extra set of hands, mm. um, you know, so that when you needed to duck out of the room, which you did a couple of times, I think exactly two times, two times, one to deal with a doctor mm. and something else. And so, um, I wasn't left alone and, you know, Kirsten was there and I, I just felt really supported in my little nest of comfort. Mm. Um, and, and she was a big help to, to me actually directly awesome as well because yeah. I mean she um, I, I recall there are a few times I, I just needed something to, to help support you which uh, which she was fantastic in in getting and you know I was able to, to step back or to say something to the uh, the midwifery team yeah knowing you still had someone with you so that additional support was was genius yeah and we also had support uh, before the birth didn't we with um oh goodness what's her name um uh let's 
what 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 should we call her? Um, oh, who are you talking about? Oh my gosh, Sekijuea. I can't say her name. Sekijuea. Ooh, good name. Yeah. Oh, from Calm Birth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She was great. Um, she was great. She really taught me some really valuable um, techniques and mindsets to use. So I, I have a psychology background with my uni degree, and so I understood a lot of the hormones and how they all worked. But she really helped me put them into the context of birth mm. and what that means for my birth. So talking about oxytocin and adrenaline and the role that they can and shouldn't play in birth um Mm. and i was able to really utilize that and that helped me develop from that knowledge i then developed this idea of well i didn't develop the idea but um utilize the idea of neural anchors Mm. and working with my neural anchors so that i associated birth with oxytocin and positivity and you know a good thing Mm. um which Gosh, I should do a podcast on that. That was one of my workshops the other month. Well, I was going to say, not I do only a workshop do you do a podcast, you have done a workshop on that. I think you've got another one coming up, don't you? Uh, I do, yes, unless I'm attending the birth. Uh, which actually may happen. Which actually may happen. <laughs> yes, and so when is Dual that workshop? Life. Uh, next Wednesday, 23rd, 23rd okay. of June. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and where uh, and when and what? It is at Gathered Folk, which has moved now. It's at Nambour Social. On Curry Street in Namble. It's at 7pm. Which town is that in? Namble. Okay. So Namble. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at 7pm. There is actually a bar for partners. I mean, you know, pregnant women can also attend, obviously. But the bar is there for people who are perhaps not pregnant and choosing not to Right. Drink. Medical advice suggests that <laughs> if you're pregnant, you may wish not to visit the bar. But that's not really, you know. <laughs> but I'll bring snacks for the pregnant mums, which... Yeah. I mean, that's and, really you know, speaking their language. So. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to dispense any medical advice, but in the words of uh, Lily Aldrin's midwife from How I Met Your Mother when she asks if she can drink some wine. <laughs> just, just a little, little bit. bit. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. So, pre-education um, helped a lot then. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think stepping into my birth knowing, like, backed with that knowledge and backed with the empowerment that I could say no. Um to things that I didn't feel comfortable with mm. set me up for a really empowered experience. And it doesn't matter in the end what that experience was. It was my feeling of empowerment. Right, and your mindset. And my mindset. Mm. And, and that, that pre-education, that's a lot of what you do as a doula because it's yeah. not, you know, there's, I guess maybe people have a picture of a doula who's like, oh, you know, you're there when the baby's being born. But a huge part of your job is actually before and after, and particularly in before in working with, women and their partners and getting ready for that kind of birth. Yeah, it's groundwork that I do. Um, I think I think doulas get a bit of a... Uh, what's that word? They get a bit typecast. Mm. And I think a lot of people just think that they waltz in with some essential oils and scarves and dance around uh, once the mum's in labour. and like. Are you saying you don't have essential oils and scarves? I definitely do have essential oils and I uh, I do have a... It's called a rebozo, not it's a, a scarf. scarf. It's not it's a scarf. It's definitely a scarf. It <laughs> serves a very specific purpose. Didn't you literally wear it as a scarf one time? No, I just draped it over my shoulder because I was concentrating. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> sure. You just took on the aspect of a scarf. Anyway. Much in a way so... that my hammer looks like a hammer. Yeah, well, it's, it's a rebozo. <laughs> 
So it's a it's a it's a Mexican uh, it was developed by the Mexican midwives, ancient ancient practice. Uh, and it's a large piece of woven material mm-hmm. and they actually wrap it around the mother's belly while they're pregnant. while they're pregnant, yep. late pregnancy and during birth as well. And to get the baby in a really good position uh, for birth, for an easy birth, they'll wrap it around and gently sift it. It's all in the wrist movements. And they sift the scarf to gently shuffle So basically the just like shaking the baby into place, but, Literally. but sweetly. Yeah. And then they have another one where they put the scarf over mum's bum. And they like wiggle her bum. It looks so cute. It sure looks cute, but like, but like why? Uh, to loosen up the hips. So it loosens okay. up all of the hip ligaments, opens the pelvis, and can help actually sift the baby and shift, but like it's sifting apparently. Right, because the baby into the pelvic um, opening. Yeah, and because the I mean, you know, the pelvic girdle obviously is is a well, not quite a ring, but a, a relatively roundish round. yeah. um, girdle of, of bone, which includes the, the hip bones. Mm. Um, but there's actually a, a, a seam of softer tissue of cartilage there, which can stretch. Is that right? Uh, sort of. So a woman's pelvis is actually not solid in the sense that it's not just one big piece of bone. It's actually, you, yeah, it has a lot of different ligaments and it, a lot of different moving parts. And especially during childbirth, because during pregnancy, um, your body is making so much relaxin, which is like a hormone that loosens all of your joints. And because of that, your body is extra malleable. And so your pelvis moves a lot to open up. Right, so that soft room. tissue softens even further. Yeah, yeah. yeah right, yeah. and uh, um, male pelvises don't do that, hey? Male pelvises don't do it to that degree, no. They look really different. If you actually look at the mm. skeletal structure, a woman's pelvis is much more open... Um, and it has like a much wider space and the male pelvis looks much smaller, narrower, and it's Mm. more kind of fused together. Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting. Um, and so, yeah, anyway, that's my rebozo. That's what the rebozo is for. Um, (laughs) they get a bad rap because people think the doulas (laughs) just waltz in and shake some oils around, uh, when actually... I think there are some doulas that do that, and that's cool. And I, I do use those things, but but in addition what I do to shaking oils around, is actually education and empowerment. And so it's setting the woman up with knowledge of her birthing experience um, and her physiology and her rights in the birthing system, um, and the I guess the sense of empowerment to take charge of her birth and to understand what what she wants. Um, and does that include developing a, a, a birthing plan? I mean, as much as, you know, obviously birth being a literally organic process as well as a metaphorically organic process, plans change, but developing a birthing plan as well would be part of that. Yeah, yeah. So we go through and develop, I guess, a birth plan. Um, what does that look <clears> like? Because obviously, I mean, you, for, I assume most, if not all women, the, the aim at the end of labour is for there to be, you know, a child. That's the end so goal. we assume that's like the general plan. So other than that, what is a birth plan? What could a birth plan look like? So my birth plans are actually a list of yes and no columns. And so I have a list of things 
um, that will come up in birth or may come up in birth or be offered in birth and they tick whether they want it or whether they don't want it. And so they it might be... The, the birthing women. Birthing women tick these. And so it might be, you know, do you want an epidural? Yes or no. Or do you want delayed cord clamping? Yes or no. Um, do you want a water birth? Yes or no. These sorts of things. Mm. Um, I do it that way because that's generally the best way for it to actually get read on the day by midwives and obstetricians. Um, to put it in just like a, a columnar format rather really than... Really quick, yeah. Rather than a, a dissertation. Yes, no dissertations, mm. not even paragraphs in my birth plans. Um, and we, yeah, we go through all of that in our prenatal sessions. But it, it more just helps birthing women understand what it is that they actually want. I never want a woman to just walk into birth and go, I'll just see what happens, we'll just take it as it comes and we'll go with the flow. Why not? Because... Because that can open you up for a lot of decisions to be thrown your way in a time where you're not in a position to really think it through well because you're busy. Mm. And it opens you up to being overwhelmed and not understanding uh, the benefits and risks of what's being offered to you in the hospital. And so what's the, what's the risk with that then? The risk is that you can often walk out feeling like your birth got railroaded mm. and that it started off on this road and then all of a sudden turned right and then up and then down a hill and around the corner and you did a roundabout and you went, how did I get here? I wanted a water birth and I was just going to go with the flow and now I'm lying on my back with a billion drugs in me but I don't understand how I got there. Mm. Um or, conversely, you might have women who are really uh, dead set about wanting, you know, uh, epidural. They want it straight away. They want all of the drugs. Um, and they don't do the research and they don't have the birth plan. And so they kind of stay at home too long and they miss the opportunity right, in the window yeah. for that, right? Because you can't just get an epidural at you any time. You can't just get there an epidural a, at yeah, any time. A limit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to make sure that the anethnotist is around or on call, that they can get there quickly enough. If you're past seven or eight centimetres, it's too late. Mm. Uh, and you've just got to commit after that, which can be a bit of a mind trip for some women who were waiting on that epidural. Yeah. <laughs> so it just depends. Um, yeah. So that's why birth plans are important. It's not so that you have something that you stick to no matter what and, you know, doesn't matter what, like what anything else happens, you have to stick to that plan. It's not like that. Mm. It's, it's a, yeah. yeah. It kind of sounds like it's less about necessarily planning to do certain things or not do certain other things, but more about just having a plan in general and whatever it is that you want, knowing that you want that. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Okay. All right. And so, I mean, we had, I remember, I don't think it was part of the calm birth course, but I remember you and I had that kind of conversation planning out, you know, the, the, the birth plan and saying yes to this and no to that. Yeah. Um, I think from recollection you had a, a sheet of paper and I think I made notes as well. You did. I was very impressed. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you took notes. I'm an impressive person. <laughs> Many things about me are impressive, including my face and body and face and brain and body. And, and the face. beard. And the beard. The beard's quite impressive. Face. Thank you. I grew up myself. Um, <laughs> okay, so so pre-education. Yeah. Um, wanting to share positive birth experiences... Things of that nature. So, so this is the the why you got into 
doula-ing. Um, but this is obviously some time ago because our youngest is has just recently turned three. Yeah. Um, so is there anything else that's come up along the way as to, you know, why you are still a doula or anything, any other reason you've found to, to be a doula other than, than those specific things? For me, it's more, it's become more broad. Hmm. Um, obviously being a doula, your main thing is birth work and you're in the throes of birth with all the amniotic fluid and the blood and all of that sort of stuff. Um, and I love that, and that's my favourite part of my job. But The blood and amniotic fluid. Well, but kind of. It's really in the action, you know? <laughs> love being in the action. I love, I love coming home smelling like birth. I'm glad that you love that. I know you probably don't. It's quite strong. The smell is strong. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever, like, smelled you and gone, oh, yes, that's definitely amniotic fluid, but you do, I, well, I guess I would say that hospital smell, but maybe the only really times mm. I've been in hospital has been for for your birth, so maybe that is that smell. Yeah, birth has a smell. It's not a bad smell. It's just, it's a very robust smell. Robust. <laughs> earthy. Earthy. It's very mm. earthy. Um, what was I saying? Uh, being in the thick of it. <laughs> yeah, I love being in the thick of it. Um, I really do. Uh, but I also love where it's taken me in that I'm, it's really grown my passion to see women in general being mm. in a place of empowerment. Mm. Um, because empowerment's going to look different for every woman. It's not just birthing women or mums, it's every woman and, and the more, it's funny because the deeper I go into it, the more I realize how much we, how much work we still have to do as a society for our women. Um, and that just really gets me going in like a really raw way. I just, I feel like there is so much work to do for the, I guess, feminist regime. I don't I don't know what to call it, but well, it's not a regime. It's, 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 it's just for everybody. Women's rights in general and our sense of worth and empowerment and and settling into our power as women in society and in ourselves. Which, which, by the way, dear listeners, is only a good thing, and it is a good thing for everybody. If you're out there going, oh no, feminism, what about the men? Feminism is for men as well. Feminism is for everybody. Yeah. Because all of the the. I guess, I guess the, the, the rights and the liberties that I have, especially in the workplace, they've not been gained by men for me. They've been gained by women. I, mean, I was very, very fortunate to be able to take several weeks off work paid uh, when both our children were born, um, you know, which is, has not always been the case and is not the case in every, in every country. Mm. And so I was able to spend time with you, spend time with the boys, and just get to know them and be there. But it wasn't, it wasn't men who, who won that battle. On my behalf, that was women who did that. Yeah, you know, and and I'm so 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 grateful for the incredible brave women who bucked the trend and and campaigned for for not just maternity leave but paternity leave as well. Yeah, and that's the beauty of feminism is that it it's not even like a case of a rising tide lifts all boats because there is one boat and that's everybody and feminism lifts that boat and we're all in that boat. Oh, very, that's a very, great analogy. Very, oh, that's felt, felt excellent. a bit clunky. I feel like I can polish that. Maybe in future episodes I'll have that uh, <laughs> that line nailed down. But um, Our podcasts yeah. are very raw. No, I absolutely agree. Um, <laughs> women's empowerment is, is 
an, an incredibly important and valuable thing. And, and as you say, I feel, I feel like it's easy to go, oh, look at all these incredible strides we've made because in the, in the public sphere, you know, I feel like so many more women and so many more people in general feel empowered to be themselves, to own their decisions, to, you know, you know, claim bodily autonomy and, and Oof, you know, yeah. pursue their, their passions and their pleasures. And that's fantastic. But systematically, and in institutions such as the medical world, yeah. such as the, the workplace, there is still so fucking much that is wrong. The patriarchy. Oh, the patriarchy. And bloody capitalism. I, I feel like... I, <laughs> no, gender, because yes. I feel like we go, oh, patriarchy. I don't think... I, as much as patriarchy is an issue, it's not the root. Capitalism, capitalism is the root. Capitalism is the root. Anyway, let's not get into the whole we should all be communists Ooh, thing because that be that's wild. a soapbox that takes me a while to climb back down from. It does. Um, it's a complex argument. Yes. I'm sure I'm horrifying some people out there who remember that I'm a high school teacher and are afraid that I might be teaching students that capitalism is bad. Don't be afraid. I absolutely am teaching students that capitalism is bad. <laughs> and communism is much better. Oh, my God. Uh, communism has its flaws, but capitalism can just get fucked. Oh, anyway, carrying on. Back to you, my dear darling... <laughs> Beautiful Sherry being a doula. Um, okay, so we talked about the getting into it. We yeah. talked about the the sticking into it. Um, what what are some other than the blood and the amniotic fluid? What are some love highlights? It. Highlights. I have some great highlights. I love, I love what I do. Um, What's some like a, a specific thing or things that have stuck out? Like oh yay, this thing. Okay, okay. I have a couple. One was my no, first. No real names. No, mine was my first ever doula birth. Mm-hmm. It was the most magical birth. Oh yeah! I okay, was really good, wasn't it? it was so good. She was incredible. Um, she stayed at home the whole time, pretty much, and was so chill and just in the zone. And I love that little like the whole time, pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, we obviously went to the hospital in the end. It was not a home birth. But, um, oh, she was so good. Anyway, she was so calm that her amazing partner was downstairs working, thinking it was just like... Well, while they were like, at home. While they were at home, I'd come. So the doula had rocked up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, and, and Jehoshaphat's just like, ah, normal day. He's like, oh, yeah, you want some breakfast? I'm like, no, 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 Jehoshaphat, I'm good. Like, I'm going to go upstairs and see where um, Zoaranus is. Anyway. And I'm up there. That one was like Zoaranus. <laughs> Zoaranus. Anyway, I'm up there. We're up there for like a bit, you know, and, and it's getting kind of real. And she's like, I think I want him down now. I want him up now. Can you go get him? And I was like, of course. Obviously, I'm going to go get him. Anyway. Come downstairs, I'm like, oh, hey, um, you, yeah, she's, she's in labor, so I think you might want to come up now. And he's like, oh, oh, like legit. And I was like, yeah, 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 there's a, yes, there's a baby coming. <laughs> My first birth, I'm trying to be like so cool. Anyway, but she, they're amazing, a power couple, just amazing. And they, they came into the hospital and. Um, she worked so hard and gracefully and, and didn't need a thing, you know, didn't need an absolute thing. And she pushed this baby out with no drugs, anything. And the oxytocin in the room was just palpable. It was amazing. And I just remember, cause this was my first birth. I was so fresh and my face, I had the 
goofiest, dumbest expression on my face as this baby's mm. coming out and I just am beaming and I couldn't help myself. And in my head, I'm like, Sherry, cool it. Like, <laughs> be professional. And, oh, my face, I'm like, <gasps> you know. And then I look up and her partner is looking at me with the exact same face. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay, it's fine. Yeah. This is birth. It's meant to be a celebration. You yeah, don't like, have oh, to be like, serious. Oh, it's, it's okay to be excited that this baby I was is just born. pumped. I was so excited. And I left on the biggest high. It was incredible. That was my, it was my favorite moment. And it was such a beautiful introduction to doulering. Mm. Easy introduction. Probably set me up uh, for some false expectations. Yeah, 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 yeah. You had like you had like the the, the good the, one. The dream so, birth yeah. first up. My mm. trainer said you'll always get what you need in your first birth. Oh, that's good. And that's good. I did get what I needed, which was a beautiful birth. Um, so that was probably my highlight of my career so far, such as it is, as it is. Um, my second highlight is actually just a couple of months ago. I was at a birth, <laughs> and. The beautiful midwife. She was so wonderful. I loved her. Um, turned on the bath. Ready. You know, mum oh. was... <laughs> That's a great oh, story. I don't, don't say which hospital it was. I won't. I won't. Such a great experience there, honestly. <laughs> oh, Top notch. But mum was ready to hop in the bath. We had her in the shower to wait. Oh. We were like, hop in here for a sec. You know, we're going to fill up the bath for you. Midwife, legend... Like flicks on the tap and is like, right, that's going to take a while. Now, I hadn't birthed at this hospital before. I'd been at um, a different hospital most of my births. Mm. And the the, the birthing tubs at the hospital that I'm normally at take forever. I'm Mm. talking like half Mm. an hour Mm. to fill. Yeah, that's why you got to call ahead and be like, oh, hey, we're coming and reminder. Yes. And this hospital, they were on speed. I don't know what, who designed these taps, but they're amazing. This huge bath filled up within about five minutes. But the midwife left the room. So she was gone somewhere. I'm guessing catching another baby because midwives are superheroes. Anyway, I'm in the shower with the mum. I mean, I'm like helping her in the shower. I'm not just like having a shower. Um, And I can hear just more water than I should be hearing. (laughs) (laughs) And I sort of poke my head out and the tub is overflowing. And I'm I'm not talking about like a little trickle of water. I'm talking about overflowing the birth room is <laughs> flooded like ankle deep water and i'm like <clears throat> and <laughs> i rip my shoes off and i'm like prancing through the water i'm like don't slip don't slip and i'm trying to turn off the taps and i could not for the life of me figure out how to turn off the tap every tap i turned made no difference i pressed every button i could think of and nothing happened and i call the partner and i'm like can you turn this bath off and he's trying to figure it out and there's just water everywhere could not turn this bath off anyway i am barefoot in a hospital soaking wet i'm like i had to do like this weird emu run for some reason i thought that if i walked normally i would slip and die and so I had to Oh I know the whole like mincing steps where you like Yes, I look like yeah, a Tyrannosaurus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. and so I'm like like Tyrannosaurusing my way <laughs> through the bathroom and I, I I I fling open the door and I'm in the hallway and I look around me and there is no one there. And I'm literally like in a birth ward so I can't be like, Excuse me I can't be yelling. <clears throat> and so I'm trying to like whisper yell and I'm like, Hello, hello, is anyone here? 
body is overflowing because someone help me. Anyway, couldn't figure it out. So I sort of Tyrannosaurus back in. Anyway, eventually this midwife comes in and she's like, oh, oh no, oh. <laughs> comes over and flicks this like little button inside the bath that somehow I had missed. Anyway, turns off the bath. It was probably underwater when it, it was, was supposed underwater. to be. <laughs> and we had to mop up this floor. And she was like, oh, God bless her. And she was like, don't tell anyone about this. <laughs> and I was like, girl, it's okay. I'll clean this up. Anyway, so I cleaned up the room. Got mum in the bath eventually. But it was wild. And I was wet. I was now wet. And I was wet for the next 12 hours. <laughs> oh, no. That's so crazy. Because, I mean, like, like you know, I mean, sinks and baths now. Because, obviously, you know, this was a, this used to be be an issue with um, baths filling up too much and people even to the extent of people drowning in them. So now they're supposed to be designed to the point where if you're lying in it, the highest it can come up to is, like, your nose or, like, just under it. And then it has, like, this outlet thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know what happened. And so surely you would think in a hospital, which is all about, you know, people not dying. Yeah, right. They would have some sort of safety. Oh, gee, the bath is too full. Let's let's have a drain. There was, an, an auto safety drain or whatever it's called. There was zero safety. What I should have done <sighs> is just called a panic button. <laughs> Oh no, 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 you know, potentially be dragging with them a defibrillator, which, mm. you know, if you don't know what that is, it produces a lot of electricity. It's true. And contrary to popular opinion, they are not waterproof and you no. cannot get them wet. It's true. So you would have had several people running in with Could have been a disaster. Yeah, that Absolute disaster. So Thankfully it was not a Probably disaster. good you didn't push the panic button. Then. No, I didn't. No. I've only had to push it once ever. But it was not for the flooding room. What was that? I don't remember Yeah, this. yeah, I was at a birth and I had to... The midwife was like, you need to push the panic button right now. And I was like, ah, right, yeah. Yeah. It's very exhilarating because it's a big t- red. tell that story? Well, it's a big red button. And. No, not the story specifically of you pushing the button, but like what led to pushing the button. Oh, oh. And then, you know, and then onwards from there. I can't even remember. Why did I have to push the panic button? And what when, happened in this birth? When um, there was a postpartum hemorrhage. Oh, of course, yes. I had a big postpartum. I didn't have a postpartum hemorrhage. I was at a birth with a post- postpartum hemorrhage and I had to push the panic button. Yes. Well, yeah. I, I don't want Okay, first of all, so we've got postpartum and we've got hemorrhage, which okay. are two words most people don't normally use. No, it's a, it's, a, it's a very large bleed that happens after... that can happen um, after a baby is born. And it's, it's code red, very... You need to get it attended to. Right. So before we get to why it's so urgent, why why can this happen? Uh, there's a few reasons, mm. but essentially it's just it's a it's a big lot of blood. So women can lose you know liters, like a couple of liters of blood, you know one to two liters of blood, which really knocks you over, um, and that that can be really really bad, especially if then the placenta doesn't detach properly from the uterine wall. There can be bits left in there. It can make her really sick. It's life-threatening. So, okay, so obviously, like, most people would say, okay, we know why loss of blood 
is is a bad thing. Yeah. But but what can lead to a postpartum hemorrhage? You know, from my understanding, part of it is the detachment of the placenta. Yeah. If it comes away like roughly or, or doesn't separate well. Yeah. Yeah. And other parts of it are just you know it can it can be caused by a bunch of different things. Um, but essentially the main issue is just the loss of blood can be really detrimental to women, obviously. Mm. Uh, in some cases, the cervix can start to close up again. That can be obviously really bad, especially if the placenta is still right. in there. Um, yeah, it's just no good. And so at this point, that that's like... That's a team of obstetricians coming in. Right, which is what happened when you pushed the big red button. Yes, a whole team. I had to super glue myself to the back wall because there were so many people in the room, mm. uh, which is completely where I needed to be in that moment, out of the way, because yeah. mum needed them more than she needed me, obviously. Um, yeah, but they, the hospital staff are amazing with stuff like that, and they bring in... Injections to stop the bleeding. This is this is partly why they offer that uh, intramuscular injection after a birth to help with like clotting your this blood is again. Okay, right? No, no, no. No? That, no, that's for the baby. This oh. is for the mum, and it's like it's to help clot your blood, basically. Similar, I guess. But um, uh, yeah, it it stops you sort of from from bleeding out. You don't need it necessarily, but it is there, mm. and that's really helpful. Yeah, but she's totally fine in the end. All good. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I stitched her back up again, and uh, sometimes you'll have to have a blood transfusion. Mm. Um, but anyway, but that's that's rare, worst case scenario stuff, which I don't often have to deal with, but it does happen. Mm. Um, yeah. And that was part of your your training as well was you know when things don't go well and you don't have the the unicorn yeah. birth. You don't have the unicorn. The anti unicorn birth. The anti unicorn birth. birth. Donkey birth. Donkey birth. <laughs> no, no, not a donkey birth at all. It was just, it was just an eventful birth, mm. um, and that, that that happens. It does. It happens. Yeah. You know, especially yeah, yeah, it happens. So back to back to happy. Yeah. Back <laughs> to happy. Uh, so okay, I, I I'll I'll ask you you two final questions, which should have relatively short answers, because we will wrap this up. I'm quite sweaty. I got very worked up in that flooding story. Yeah, and you're wearing like all silk, which <laughs> doesn't help. But then you know, thick silk like this doesn't breathe very well. No, I know, but it's great and for my hair. Heat is on. And the heat is on. Anyway. Do you think like if I make it warmer, will you undress better? No. Oh. <laughs> um. All right. So, <clears throat> uh, as someone who has had support at your birth would you recommend it and why would or would not you recommend people have support such as a doula such as sherry the doula at www.sherrythedoula.com um why why should or should not people have support at a birth in like the nuttest of shells in the nuttest of shells having supported a birth we were never meant to birth alone you know like Birthing, well, right? Like, birthing has always been a part of the community mm. and I guess the tribe, so to speak. Mm. And women literally for, for generations have, have had a support structure. It's always been kind of women's business, I guess. Mm. And the wise woman of the village would be there and mums and grandmas and whatever. And so they always had this support structure and it was, it was the idea of, having someone who 
A, has probably been through birth and can understand where you're at right now. Um, having just an extra pair of hands, birth is very physical. And having um, women being able to have someone hold them up or help them with a position or just give them the pep talk that they need can get them over the line. Sometimes you just need someone to look you in the eye when it's all getting really hard and go, you can do this, buckle mm. up, let's go. Absolutely. Speaking of let's go, we're about to. Last question. Do you like being a doula? I love being a doula. Being a doula is awesome. I um I put a post on my Instagram today because it just made me so happy and it was that I get to be like a women's cheerleader except that with pom-poms, instead of pom-poms, I have heat packs and a can-do attitude. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. All right. Well, thank you so much, Sherry, for joining us on the Share of the Doula podcast. You're welcome. Which you join us pretty much every time anyway. I do. Um, all right. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in for another episode of Sherry the Doula, which is fast becoming the most popular podcast there is in Number the podcast one world. on iTunes. Number one on iTunes. Oh, no, Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Apple podcast. iTunes isn't a iTunes. thing anymore, I don't think. Uh, no, but seriously, uh, we have heard from literally millions of people in our dreams that uh, <laughs> this podcast gets them not only up in the morning, but through the day and then back to bed and at through night. through the long hours of the night. Yeah. Uh, but as always, you can find Sherry... Um, through Instagram at Sherry the Doula, also at www.sherrythedoula.com. Mm-hmm. Um, Sherry the Doula at gmail.com, where you can uh, email her directly if sliding into DMs is not your thing. Um, and then we do have the, I should say, Sherry has the Happy Hormones workshop coming up next week yep. on the 20 whatever of. You can find June. it on my socials. Yeah, the 23rd of June at Nambour Social, which is in Nambour. Yep. Um, and it's in the evening this time, so if you work during the day, you have no excuse. It's at night time. Yeah, and you can book tickets through what are the places you can book tickets? Go to my www.sherrythedoula.com and the socials. Yes, Instagram. Yeah, uh, and you can find me nowhere because I don't want to talk to you. He doesn't exist. No, I have, I have a very minimal uh, occasional internet presence. I mostly just scroll through memes. It's true. Yeah. I have a very interesting Instagram feed. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for tuning in again to the most amazing podcast that there is critically acclaimed and beloved by such people as Robert De Niro, probably, and Matt Damon one day, I think. Maybe Reese Witherspoon. prove that he doesn't. Can't prove that they don't it. love it, yeah. No. All right. <laughs> yeah, cool. Okay, bye.